Hi guys, welcome back to Infinite Possibilities, the podcast where we explore the lives of amazing people, their choices, challenges and opportunities. And today I have a very special guest, none other than the Brian Roach. Hello. hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me on here. <laughs> no worries, it was highly requested by the fans. <laughs> so Brian, what's your job? What do you do? Yeah, so I also work alongside Karen here at KPMG as a tech risk consultant. Um, and I'm also a sessional academic um, slash tutor at QUT. I'm just teaching two units, a first year unit uh, and also a last or final year unit. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. Got um, two steps in different doors, right? Yeah. One in the sort of corporate and one in the sort of educational space. Mm-hmm. So we really want to know how Brian got to where he is today. So we're going to go right from the beginning. So Brian, what kind of child were you like growing up? Yeah, um, best way I can describe it, I had two little phases. So when I was really, really young, maybe like around five years old or so, I was very, very shy. So didn't really do much to participate (laughs) much. I was the one in the back of the class all the time, just kind of listening in. Um, And then around in maybe middle school to high school, probably like grade nine, I kind of realized to myself I I had quite enough of just being a bit quiet and um, I actually had a, I took a big risk one time and did a public like speech to my school and that was basically to maybe like 200 or so people. So as a really small little introvert and then suddenly going up on stage and reading a script (laughs) to um, 200 or so people, that was when I kind of pushed on from just being kind of like sheltered and kind of of an introvert and then um, started being a bit more out outgoing and then kind of develop that over time. Still working on it as well, so. Oh, really? You're pretty extroverted. I'm uh, still, still an introvert at heart. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And tell me more about that kind of um, transition because that's like a sort of like a pivotal turning point in your life. So what sort of made you put your foot down? I'm sick of it. Were you getting ignored or were you like you were craving something? Um, there wasn't really too much. I just, I guess I just thought about it myself and just did some reflection on my own and just being like, is this kind of the person I want to be in the future? Um, my sister as well, so my oldest sister, she was quite um, assertive and um, she'd always have to protect me and I was a bit used to that. Aww. But then she went to boarding school over here in Australia, so I was studying in Hong Kong before. Um, and then once she left earlier for boarding school, I didn't have anybody to kind of like stand up for me anymore. Aww. So I realized that, you know, I have to step into that position myself. Um, and then from that, I just realized, yeah, maybe this is probably the, a really good opportunity to do so. I still remember vividly that one day where it was like, it was in class and then we had to volunteer to do the speech. And then in my group, nobody wanted to do it. And then I just realized to myself, you know, there's not going to be another opportunity where not everybody else wants to do it. Um, most, most of the time, the other extroverts kind of put their hand up immediately. So I was like, okay, you know, um, I should probably change this behavior. So then from that point on, um, took that risk and then been taking slower and other kind of risks similar to that uh, over time. And so, yeah, wow, that's, that's amazing. And you were only nine, right? <laughs> no, I was probably, um, no, that was like grade nine. <laughs> grade nine, oh my gosh. So that was, your phase was um, five years, wait, grade five and then grade nine. Um, I'd say like, well, five years old and then gra- like around grade nine. I can't remember exactly, yeah, um, but yeah. it was around like, yeah, the younger phase is more introverted for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And tell me more about growing up in Hong Kong. Very different. Very different than Australia. Um, a lot more, I guess, 
education focused or just more com like more competitive um, mm, a lot definitely. more stress as well yeah. um, most days like the en at the end in high school it was like um, wake up right around like six or so six thirty go to school um, and then after school sometimes we'd have additional classes that might go up to like four um, but most days I actually finished like tutorials or like additional tutoring and stuff like that at maybe like seven in mm -hmm. the evening and then that's like before i even got to do my homework so yeah. that was basically my life for a long time so actually when i came to uni i found it a lot easier to uh, manage <laughs> so it's a lot yeah. more relaxed at uni actually yeah oh that's so cool and why, why come to australia um funny story Ooh. i fell asleep in the class that um that's the honest story. There was a um, class that we had at our high school that kind of discussed um, U U.S. unis, U.K. unis, um, and like you know the process to apply for them, so like SATs, the um, essays that you have to write. And I didn't have a good sleep the night before, so I <laughs> kind of fell asleep in that one. And then I was like, oh, I found out Australia doesn't have to do SAT. <laughs> so might as well come over to Australia. Um, that was one part of it. But the other one is obviously um, I do have like a citizenship here. So um, didn't want to pay um, quite absurd amounts <laughs> for my degree. So definitely yeah. had that, has that as an impact as well or a factor, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. A combination of factors. Mm -hmm. So, what was it like when you first arrived in Australia? Very, 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 very different. Um, more relaxed over here for sure. Um, and also, I've only visited Australia maybe seven times before I actually came here. Oh, okay, quite a um, few times. Yeah, so just visiting because my sister was here, so I visited her sometimes. Family was in Sydney as well, um, but before that, never really. And so, living here was definitely a big change especially because of the culture difference and also just people here are so much more friendlier. Yeah. So in Hong Kong, if you, if someone comes up to you or like, well, if you have a salesman or saleswoman, they just kind of sell you the products. They don't really talk to you or anything mm. like that. So one thing I noticed here that was a big difference was that people would go, not just say hi, but they'd say, hi, how was your day or something like that. Yeah. In Hong Kong, just go, hi, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you just walk by someone on the street, just, it's like, you just don't exist. So yeah. it's very different. Yeah, that's true. And tell me more about like, so when you were in high school before you came to Australia, in terms of like career aspirations, what was sort of floating through your mind? Vaguely? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I actually wanted to go into more like creative areas. So Ooh. like architecture. Oh, me actually, too. Wow. Yeah, I actually decided, well, I wanted to go into architecture and then that kind of paved the path of why I chose my like higher levels in high school. So I chose physics, art, and then business. So art and physics was because I wanted to do like construction slash architecture, more yeah. like design. And then business is also because I just enjoyed business in general. So I wanted to do it as like a safety net. Um, and then I chose that for my final two years. And then on my second last year, I realized that I didn't really want to do it anymore. <laughs> so it was a really miserable <laughs> last year doing these two units that I didn't really want to do. But um, yeah, I wanted to do architecture. And that was mainly because <laughs> it's... Um, because I played a lot of Minecraft and then I thought that <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun to design things and everything like that. So that's, um, that's what I wanted to do. And then after I actually did a summer course um, at Hong Kong University and kind of gave me a little taste of what architecture was like. And then from there, I didn't really 
think it was for me. It was a bit more conceptual than I thought rather than like practical. Um, and then from there, I was like, okay, maybe I should shift into something else. And then literally after I graduated, I, my mom proposed that I took a summer course um, just doing things that I liked. Um, and at that stage, I played a lot of games. So <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, sure. This game design thing and coding course looks pretty interesting. So I did that. And then that's where I started getting into the game side. And then um, that's what pivoted me as well to study games at QT. Oh, that's cool. And that's so funny because I think, you know, your idea for like going to architecture came from Minecraft, but you didn't see like Minecraft as the like career first. Yeah, I had no idea that games was a proper career. I knew yeah. it was like a hobby. Um, it was like, I think back then it was also a bit more emerging, so it wasn't really accepted as much. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like once I realized QT does offer a games design or games programming course, essentially, I was like, wow, yeah, perfect. Might as well do it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And what were your parents like in in regards to like your decision? Did they have other future plans for you? Engineer, doctor? No, no. no my parents never liked that. They were all very, very lenient and just kind of do what you like. So they supported me all the way, and they were like, they're they're actually laughing sometimes. They're like, oh, all the times that you were playing games, we didn't realize that you'd actually be doing it in the future. Yeah. So all the times they were trying to get me off the computer was actually not in, not in the benefit of my future because yeah. <laughs> that took away some of my research time, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, tell me what it was like studying games at QUT. Was it what you hoped it would be? It was a lot more than I hoped it to be, actually. Oh, so wow. First when I started time. doing it, I had no idea about, you know, how to make games or anything like that. Um, and what I did specialize in was the software technology major. So that's essentially just the programming side of the games. Um, and what I got from QT was not just that, but also got to delve into the design and also like modeling. So in, in game development, you essentially have like the modeling, the programming, also design, and then slash animation, kind of that kind of area. Um, and I got to kind of touch on a lot of those areas. And because it was a really big passion of mine, I definitely did a lot of personal project on the side and kind of just researched on my own. So that got me a pretty well-rounded view of all the aspects of it um, and definitely a really fun and really hands-on um, degree that I really enjoyed yeah oh wow that sounds pretty cool and you also you did a double degree right so that was part one of your degree and part two was it was business and management yeah, yeah. and why do that <laughs> um, I did that because of so in high school right I had that safety net of business yeah and I always liked it <clears throat> I liked how like practical it was um, so I just continued that on to um, UT, yeah. Yeah, was it kind of like a safety net if this game thing doesn't work out? Yeah, literally, Ooh. same thing, same thing. Uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, this kind of area. Um, and um, it was, yeah, definitely a safety net. Yeah, oh, that's cool. And tell me about being president of QT Business Association. Yeah, so QT BAM, so it's Business and, Business and Management Student Association. So um, I think right now they're one of the biggest if not the biggest one, uh, business society security. Um, and then, yeah, my second year, or no, third year, so my degree was four years, right? So my third year, I had an opportunity to become an events director for the society. And it was just, just through a connection that I had. Um, and then, um, funny enough, I just got thrown into the president position in the final year. Um, oh. So that was a big risk, but it was also a very, very fun experience. Um, 
got to have a really good team around me and probably one of the most memorable experiences at, at uni, yeah. Wow, and how did you sort of get thrown into it? So funny, uh, it just was that right time, right place. Also, I did, it's not to say that I didn't have a lot of contributions when I was in the team before. I was quite active and I really wanted to change a lot of things when I was there, but I just wasn't in the position to do that as an events director. And then um, just coincidentally, all of the people in the top positions um, left. So everyone just moved up and then um, naturally, I was the one that was the most active and everything like that and had the most ideas, so I got moved up there. I was actually planning to, at that stage, I was planning to go like go for vice president or something yeah. like that. I wasn't actually going yeah. to, oh, initially wasn't planning to go for the top position, um, but then I just took the risk on anyways, so it, it ended up well. So. Wow, that's awesome. So uncontested for president, yeah? <laughs> Quite. Well, I had a, yeah, we had discussions around it, and I did get a lot of everyone else's input, and then we all yeah. kind of unanimously agreed that we thought that yeah I'd be probably Brian the better president. fit. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully for the country one day. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> wow, sounds good. So wow, that must have been a bit crazy because you did it in your last year, right? Being president and trying to finish your degree. So how was it balancing both worlds? Um, very, very yeah, I didn't have much of a social life. <laughs> um, Ironically, in the association that you were in. Yep, yep. The only events I really went to were ours. Um, but it was definitely you know, running Damso was quite like running a little startup, especially because I ran it in such a way. So I was always had my phone up, I had the like Slack channel we had um, open, um, and then just constantly like making sure things are okay, events are coming up. And especially because I cared so much about it, it was really like a passion project. So um, I was definitely like on call a lot or just being available. So it was quite difficult and quite stressful at sometimes, especially because we're. The structure of us or as a society was like that we'd have peaks and troughs. So when there's a lot of events coming up, we, we basically do all the planning then and sometimes we just have no events during the yeah. breaks and everything. So um, there were definitely phases where I'd have a lot of events and also a lot of assignments at the same time. So um, luckily, I was the type to finish a lot of my assignments quite early. So that way it would... Oh, um, very well organized, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, made sure to do things maybe like a week in advance, um, yeah, I'd aim for a week in advance at least, and then wow. that way I can stay on top of it and yeah, perform. Yeah, and so how do you sort of motivate yourself? How do you sort of stay disciplined? I have a, I wouldn't recommend this way of motivating. It's um, a bit more stress driven, but what I did was I put a timer on my screen, on my, on my computer screen. So if I had an exam coming up or assignments coming up, I have a countdown timer that shows me the time, like the days, the hours, the minutes, the seconds until oh. it's due. And I'd have that on my screen 24-7 so that if I'm doing anything, I can look at it and be like, okay, it's due quite soon, so I should start doing it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'd also put the deadline on my calendar, like maybe two, three days before it's actually due, and then just forget about it. And, uh, or I did it at the, at the very beginning of the semester. So sometimes I look at it, I'm like, oh, it's due next week on Monday, when it's actually on Wednesday, and I just still submit it on Monday, and yeah. I realized, oh, I just lied to myself, um, <laughs> but I still finished it anyway, so, you know, submit it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I did a sort of similar thing, and now, like, I don't know when it's due, and then I'm like, oh, that's, that's probably a dud date, but yeah, it's like yeah, real yeah, dates, yeah. so. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. And so, what about in terms of like running the club? How did you? What was your sort of leadership style? And how do you? What does president do? Some people be like, president is the best job. You get everyone to do the work. Please shed some light. Um. So I was a bit like a. I'd describe myself as kind of a situational leadership style because I just had to kind of adapt to what was there, and um, I was more there as a support. I didn't really want to micromanage as much. I only stepped in when I needed to. Um, and I also like to just give a lot of authority out when I can. So I let people be quite autonomous with their work and um, yeah, only stepped in when it was actually necessary. So yeah, that's probably how I'd describe it. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. And do you agree that overall uni, best four years of your life? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, as of right now anyways, yeah. Yeah. A lot of freedom. Um, a lot of good friends that I met, a lot of good connections, a lot of good experiences, and a lot of good um, like learnings as well, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. And also, how did you sort of deal with maybe homesickness when you sort of came here for uni? <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just not the type to have homesickness. Really? <laughs> I was. I was glad. I was like, oh yeah, it's like <laughs> freedom. And then um, yeah, I didn't really have much homesickness at all. Yeah. Oh wow! Very nice. Now we're going to talk about the three hobbies of your life, right? Yep. Games, gymming, and golf. Yep, yep, so yep. let's let's go from golf, right? That was the first one. Yeah, golf I started when I was five years old because my dad, um, he's, as a part-time, he teaches golf. Um, and he used to be a pro, or like at least certified pro. And then, so he taught me at a very young age and started getting into it. And then was also participating in a lot of inter-school competitions for my high school. Um, a lot of them overseas as well, which is really fun. And yeah, no, I've, I used to play quite a bit. And then after coming to Australia, I didn't really play as much. And funny enough, I've had the first round in like five years, maybe like two, three weeks ago. Yeah, so I remember. That was, it was very rusty, definitely not <laughs> as good as I used to be, but it was still fun to kind of have a whack around. And good to play in a social setting rather than like competitive. Yeah, 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 less pressure. Yeah, for sure. And for when sure. did you start gymming? Gymming, I started maybe in final year of high school, but I never really got I never really got serious until maybe first year of uni. So total years, maybe like five, five or six years, and then the first two years, honestly, just kind of well, I was following a, a personal trainer, um, and then. Didn't really know what I was doing. And then second and third year, I'd say that's when I started like picking some things up, but never really going and pushing myself too hard. And then maybe more recently anyways, that's when I've been more aware of what I was doing, making my own kind of plan. And then essentially trying to like push my limits more, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And why'd you start first? Um, why'd you first start gymming? Is it the societal pressures? Um, Gotta be big. I'm, much, I'm quite a bit of like a, I do a lot of like self-reflection. So at that point, I was just thinking about myself like, hmm, you know, other people as well, my friends were also getting into it too. And I was like, maybe I should start trying to change myself a bit. And this also came with the, you know, transition from introvert to a bit more extroverted. Yeah. So that, that in combination with like my own self-image and stuff like that, I was like, okay, maybe start doing a few of these things. And then at, at first it was literally a trial. So I tested myself. It's like, okay, I'll try it for half a year see if there's any results, and if there are, then I'll keep pushing forward. If not, then it's fine. Just, I tried, at least I tried. And then, yeah, I lost quite a bit of weight when I first came here, my first year. So, <laughs> my weight fluctuates a lot. So, 
I came to Australia at 85kg and then dropped down to 72 within like two months, which is a bit too fast. And then been going to like 76, 85, and now back <laughs> up quite a bit to 95. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, quite a journey. Mm -hmm. Nice. And tell me more about gaming. You started this when you were pretty young, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, as young as I can remember, I was always playing games on, you know, on the Game Boy back then, and then Xbox and all that stuff, just playing my entire life. Funny enough, after I started studying it, I didn't really play as much. Mm. Just not as much time, um, but I still do enjoy playing once in a while. Um, and trying to transition from playing to actually starting to make things myself. Yeah, and does like studying it, does it sort of change your relationship with gaming? Like now all you see is the flaws and like, oh man, they should have programmed this and it changes, um, right? I, yes and no, yeah, like I can, sometimes I can look at games and I don't, I don't as so much as critique it as much, but I kind of appreciate what they've done because I'm like, yeah. I know that took so long to make that rock or something like that, yeah. I'm like, that's a really good one, like I, I more so appreciate them rather than like criticize them. Yeah. yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. And so this one's for my friends. Why do you guys love gaming so much? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd say that you know it's it's just fun. <laughs> it's just a fun way to consume time, stress relief as well. And then I know for certain games, it's good because you get a sense of community as well. Mm -hmm. Like I've had some games when I was playing um, in like middle school where I've met people from the states and yeah. just gotten some good friends out of that as well. And it's like it's like anything, right? You go out. If you, it's like the same as going out. Well, not this, exactly the same, but <laughs> the same experience as going out with your friends going to the mall, going to something like, yeah. like that, but just doing an online setting. And um, it's just the mode of doing that, but it's the same kind of outcome where you hang out with your friends um, and enjoy time. But obviously there's single player games as well, so that's yeah. a completely different story. But I think most of the time, just relax, it's easy to do. And sometimes if you if you, you know, are a fan of a, of a franchise, like, you know, people are a fan of movies. Oh, oh my gosh, continue. Keep yeah, talking. if people are a fan of movies or anything like that, then they, um, you start to build up that kind of fandom or, you know, that interest. And then that just helps you play more of those games in the future. Like Pokemon, for instance, I started when I was really, really young, maybe like f five years old. And I still like it to this day. And the other day I was literally po looking at Pokemon cards <laughs> on eBay as well. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's because of the franchise that you love and the games are only an accessory. <laughs> I think you need to jump. <laughs> okay, so tell me more about, um, so when you game, is it kind of like you get lost into that world and then is it sort of like harder to come back to reality? Is it like, oh man, damn, I wish like my life was in a game. Do you get that sort of... It depends, it depends. I think that's yeah. a very traditional way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> but it depends on what you're playing. Um, sometimes, there's different genres, right? Some, some games, I mean, some games you play with friends on the couch together. So that's like... Yeah. You know, you having people over at your place, you can play some couch co-op games, and then that's that's something different. And in that, you wouldn't get immersed too much. There's some story, heavy story-driven ones. Yeah. So story-driven ones, that's where you get immersed into it. And then they actually have some really compelling narratives and everything like that. Some some of them actually make you reflect on your own life. So it depends yeah. on what you're playing. And the one that I enjoy the most that I play a lot are, um, they're called MMOs. So I actually forgot what they stand for. Massive multiplayer online games yeah yeah so that in that 
in that setting, you have your own character, it's all customizable, and then you have like, you work towards your progression for that character. And so whether it be like the gear, your, the weapons that you have, the gear that you have, and then your friends also have that as well. So then you kind of like, it's a, it's a sense of like building your own character, not exactly like role playing since per se, but um, building something that you th you're proud of, and then you can also show it off to your friends. It's yeah. just like that. Yeah, that's, that's one of the areas, and that's one of the ones I enjoy the most. Yeah, damn, that's pretty cool. And can you tell me about the sort of history of your game taste? So what did you sort of start out with, and, you know, what did you prefer, and then how did you develop? It's all over the place. Cool, perfect. <laughs> but the only games that I don't really play are horror games. Because <laughs> I just don't want to. <laughs> I've never been a fan. Yeah, and are you more like multiplayer games for like the socials? Yeah, definitely. I don't really like single player as much. I like the community aspect of it and playing with other people. Yeah, yeah. okay, that's cool. And then now we're going to transition to talk a little bit about your work yep, at yep, Tech yep. Risk at KPMG. Mm -hmm. Nice, so can you give us like a one minute introduction for what Tech Risk roughly is? Yeah, I can give a brief one as far as I understand so far, because so, we are still quite new. So. Um, our understanding of tech risk is always evolving, um, but from what I understand anyways, um, it's a need in the market because a lot, of, um, a lot of firms use a lot of technology nowadays to do their like accounting and everything like that. In the previous old days, they used like, proper books and everything, so all the bookkeeping. Um, and now because of that, there are a lot of risks that might arise from um, the software they use, whether it be like access or like passwords and everything like that. And now there's a need to get assurance over that. So if the auditing team, so we work closely with the auditing team. So if the auditing team um, needs to rely on a certain system, then they need to make sure that there's reasonable assurance that the system is working as intended. Um, that's where we come in to help them just be, um, to just rest assured that the system is safe and they can rely on the information that they get. That's pretty much it, as far as I understand anyway. Yeah, so no, that's pretty good. It's gonna definitely, might change over time, but that's my definition of, as of right now. Yeah, that's cool. And tell me like what you enjoy and maybe what is more difficult about tech risk. Um, it's good. I think it's a steep learning curve for sure. That's the one difficult yeah, area. But once you do understand everything, like there's a that, that that's a benefit in cost as well. Like it's a steep learning curve. But once you get up to the top of that, then things get a lot easier. And it doesn't, the, um, you know, it's the same concepts and the same stand, like kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of same kind of standards that you're using, but just in different companies. So, um, once you do understand the basics of the concepts, then it gets much easier over time. And obviously, you have like um, outliers with different companies having different systems and stuff like that. But most of the theory and the concepts kind of stay the same. So, it's that phase where once you learn, it's it's quite difficult to learn all of it and get across all of it. But once you do, then you're set. <laughs> yeah. Just to get through. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And you, um, hmm. should I ask? <laughs> um, tell me more about being a sessional academic at um, QUT. How did yeah. that sort of? Because you you started them both roughly at the same time, which is mm -hmm. great and also not so great. So. Yeah. No. It was really interesting how I got the opportunity. So basically, it was through BAMSA, right? So. Um, being the president of the business side at QT essentially got me a lot of opportunities to network with the business school um, and get to know quite a few of them. And um, I also always had a passion for like improving the quality of like tutoring and everything at QT and teaching and kind of helping others has always been just a passion of mine. Um, whether you see it through like 
fitness or anything like that. I've always enjoyed that. So I thought, you know, I, will, I always had an interest in trying to do tutoring, but I just never knew where to start or who to ask. So then in my final year, I kind of like put in an inquiry about it and then it kind of just took off from there. And then I had an opportunity to do two units. So one's a first year unit and the other one's a capstone unit for business. So it's pretty good. Um, it's really good. Uh, experience and really fun to do actually because I yeah I get to get to chat with a lot of new students and then so first year I get to see all the bright new faces who are eager to learn and then the final year where everyone's <laughs> done and trying to get out of it but it's good to see both sides of it and I think especially because I'm quite young and you don't get as many of the younger tutors in um, it's, it's it's I provide a lot of value by being able to relate to the students a lot so I literally tell them almost on the first yeah, in all in all first weeks, I kind of say that when I when I give my background on myself, I'm like I was in your position. You know, a lot of tutors say oh, I was in your position like quite not long ago, but that's yeah. always like oh five <laughs> six years ago. And I just tell them I was in your position three months ago, so yeah. I know exactly know what you're t what you're experiencing, and it's also it, it makes me a bit more approachable as well because yeah. they see me as another you know one of them right yeah. essentially, so. They ask a lot of questions, and the feedback I've gotten so far from um, semester one, anyways, is really good. And it's I can see that you know, I like I like making this kind of difference and making sure that their experience is like the best they can have. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's wholesome. <laughs> it is. It is wholesome. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone wants to know how you juggle these double lives. Ooh. Um, not easy. Um, so. My schedule is like, you know, I teach two classes, but I do it after work hours, so six to eight usually. Um, and just a lot of work. So weekends, usually I only have one day really free. So um, most of the time, Sunday is the day that I do all my preparation for tutorials oh, and everything no. like that. But the good thing is that... Sunday is rest day. <laughs> yeah, no, Saturday is my rest day. That, yeah. And then now the good thing is that with these tutorials, it's that um, once you know a lot of the content, then a lot of it's repeatable. So as long as you're across it and you've learned it once, it just gets exponentially easier. Um, obviously, both those units are on different case studies, so that will change, but the fundamentals are gonna be the same. Teaching as well is gonna get easier. Like I was certainly you know, telling you that story before about speaking in front of a lot of people. That doesn't mean I was a good speaker at all. Yeah. It was a pretty horrible speech actually, but um, it's also given me a lot of opportunity to develop my public speaking because then um, my first semester I had like 50 students in my class um, and then I also haven't done that unit before so mm. I had to learn a lot of the content quickly um, and then just present it and be across it and um, know how to answer all the questions yeah. <laughs> that students have. Oh, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. And how are the nerves? Is it like pretty natural now for you to speak? Or? Yeah, pretty natural and the way that I like it, it was only the first class because I was just I'd never done it before. Um, so first class in that one subject, but after that it was much easier because yeah, I got along really well with the students and the teaching style that I have is quite informal. So yeah. I try not to be like, I, don't, I try not to separate myself from them. So a lot of times when we do, um, when we do discussions and everything like that, I like to split it up and then I just kind of walk around and sit with people yeah. and then like I sit so I try not to like stand above them or anything like that. Yeah. I actively try to like go down to the level and just sit beside them and be like, okay, so what do you guys think about yeah. what I said or like this discussion topic? And then I'm always like very open as well. Like, oh no, it's completely fine if you don't know. Like if you don't know the answer, I'm not gonna force you to say something. 
just let me know and then we'll move on to the next person something like that just being like more open and you know lenient and i think that helps a lot for them yeah yeah that's cool nice and now that you know you've officially graduated since last year what is your sort of advice to i guess the young people <laughs> what, what type of advice um i guess Mm. I guess one is probably in terms of like finding passion, what, in, what to study at uni and maybe just general like what kind of stuff you would tell your younger self kind of vibe. Mm. I don't know, I feel like from what I've experienced, doing a double degree is really, really valuable because that gave me an opportunity to do something I really liked um, and also just do something that's a bit more safer. I don't know like if they offer that, they'd offer all these combinations of what everyone wants to do. but. Sometimes I think that was definitely a, a good idea for me just to do something that I was really passionate about and not to say that I can't make a career out of it later. Um, but, you know, just having that safety net there as well. So maybe, you know, always having a plan B is good, yeah. especially when, you know, trying to go out into the workforce and everything like that. Um, I guess just, yeah, definitely join a society <laughs> is, is what I would highly recommend. Like, just try and get into one of them because it changes your uni life a lot. And yeah. I know that everybody that I've known who's in one of these societies, especially the good ones, they, <laughs> the good ones, yeah, the ooh, good ones, ooh. the competition, no, the the good ones. Then you make a lot of good friends. You're also with people who have like the same mind, and you know you find a lot of different opportunities from it as well. Because I wasn't. I didn't actually intend to apply here at KPMG until someone was telling me about it ah. in the business society. So, in, yeah, in BAMSA. So literally like a week before the deadline, he asked me if I applied to any of these companies. And I was like, <laughs> I probably should. And I looked into a lot of them and obviously KPMG stood out. And I was like, yeah, definitely want to apply to there. Um, but but if, they, if he didn't tell me that, I probably wouldn't be here. So that's the thing. Oh. Like, you never know, right? Yeah, the opportunities. And was there like a QT game society? There was, but it wasn't oh. as well developed. That's yeah. the thing. I went to like a few of their events, but I think at that phase, um, just I think leadership and everything was just a little bit. It was. It was also like, um, yeah, it just it wasn't as organized at that phase. Yeah, so, less structured and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was harder for them to get a lot of um, people participating. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they lost a good president. <laughs> I, I offered help a few times, but they never took it. So it was up to them. Fair enough. Now a few kind of random sort yeah. of questions. So yeah, um, Brian, how do you manage stress? We all need your help. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I get a, I get it a lot that I'm quite calm when yeah. it comes to stress. But um, are you are you like internally freaking out? But you have that sort of you know confident facade. I <laughs> it depends on what what the stress is about. I actually do stress out a lot about a lot of things, and I just don't really show it as much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you a chronic overthinker? I do, yeah. I overthink a lot of things a lot of times. Um, sometimes, I, and it, like, I think that for a lot of outside people, it might seem that I don't have a lot of yeah. stress. But for people who are close by, they're like, just go, just go stop stressing. It yeah. just, it depends on how well you know me. Um, yeah. I think if you know me really well, then you know that I panic quite a bit. But I always just do that personally to all, all my friends, like just message them a lot of things, and yeah. things that I randomly think about. Um, but a good way, I think, in general, though, to manage stress. Depends on what it is, though. Don't take this for as, like, a, a template for everything. But it's just, like, sometimes it's just better to not not care as much about something um, or just distancing yourself from it a bit because then 
if you're so stressed out that it impacts your mental ability to work or do anything like that, then it's not going to help the situation. So it's better to just step back for a bit, take a chill, and then do it again another time. Not procrastinate, but like at a at a better time when you're better or you're more mentally ready. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, how do you become so good at Excel? <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't say I'm like I would say that I'm not that good. Um, certainly not to the extent of the world champions that were Ooh. up like a few months ago or a few weeks ago. Um, I just I'm just pretty good at like reformatting a lot of text and everything. That just become that just came from experience and also just interest in it. Um, yeah, just a lot of just do that as part time work as well. Like mostly just Excel things. Um, and then exploring things as well. And I have also have like a knack for wanting to automate things or make things more efficient. So that helps out in me learning more because I'm like, even so an example like in BAMSA, right? I've made quite a few sheets for us that help standardize a few processes. Um, and then in my head, I was always like, you know, we're doing this thing so many times. Is there a way to, better way to do it or just better way to not waste everyone's time? Especially because we're all students, right? So then after thinking about it, I just do a bit more research and it turns out, oh, you can do something on Excel to solve that problem. And then that's how I kind of developed that a bit more. Um, so just from experience and also just passion of um, making things more efficient. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. And what was your sort of um, learning? Like, how did you, what kind of resources? Were you a guy who just like YouTube watches, like follows or just Google? Was I just Googled sort of, like... it. I still Google things <laughs> in the day. How, like, especially because I'm more of a Google Sheets person rather than ah, an Excel person. I remember this. Yeah, I prefer Google Sheets more. Don't hate me for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so some, even nowadays, like sometimes, you know, there's a, there might be a Google Sheet formula that exists, but there's no Excel one for it. So I got to just Google it, like, well, how do you yeah. split text or something like yeah. that? Um, but still, you know, it's, it's also the whole thing about coding as well. Um, for any code or anybody who works in, like, software development, software tech in the industry, they also Google things. So yeah, yeah. You, that's the way to do it. <laughs> just always <laughs> Google it, and that's what I do, so... Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, nice. And what do you think the meaning of life is, Brian? Um, that's a very, very deep question. Mm. Um, For a guy who reflects a lot. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, take a while to reflect there. Um, it's just in your opinion and just for you. It's not like a template for everyone's life. Yeah, I'm going to tell everybody how to live their life. Yeah, there now. we go. No, no, no. Um, I don't know. If you think about it this way, right? Like, it's a bit grim to think about it this Love way. Love it. But, like, you know, when you're on, a death, on your deathbed, the only thing that you have left isn't, like, really the material things that you have in your life, but more so just all the experiences that you've had. So, you know, you can have all the wealth you can have but that's really not going to be the last thing you're going to remember when you get to the end of the tunnel right and i could be like oh yeah i have like three million in the yeah, bank yeah yeah flashback you know? that's not really <laughs> gonna be what you're gonna flash back to um so from that i'd say that you know meeting of life is to make the most memorable experiences that you don't that you won't regret and that's also like that's also you know linked to what i thought before of like changing myself and just taking these risks that you don't normally take um, and then using that to better yourself. 
because yeah, at, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter how much you have in the bank. It's not going to matter you yeah. know, how many cars you have, stuff like that. Obviously, that would help some experiences. Not going to deny that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just up to you, you know, what you've actually experienced as a person rather than what you have. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah. that's pretty cool to work backwards, to start from the end, to know how to live at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and tell me more about your self-reflection journey. How does, how does one become so enlightened? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been conditioned by high school because I did, um, the, the curriculum that we did was International Baccalaureate. So that's Ooh. essentially, yeah, it's a global curriculum. And in that, you actually, you know, they teach us a lot about reflection with everything. Oh, so really? we started, yeah, we started doing this when we were like middle school age, you know, even, you know, well, we would have been like 11 or 12. We start reflecting on ourselves, like wow. not just like not on a deep level like this, but yeah. like, <laughs> reflecting on our own performance. And then is always, you know, our assessment. So it's like do a project, do something and then do a self-reflection. Yeah. It's always that. So that definitely impacted a lot. And that's why I think about it a lot. And I'm quite critical of myself as well. Yeah. So that works hand in hand with that reflection thing. Yeah. Wow. Do you set, do you make it like a formal kind of schedule? Like do a monthly reflection after no, engaging? No, just ad hoc. So ad just, hoc. And it happens at like 3 a.m. at night a lot of times. So sometimes I just have these moments where like I see something or like I just start, start thinking down? about it. I don't journal it down. It just comes, it's just in my head. So sometimes I just sit there. It's usually in moments where I'm like alone and it's just like silent or I just can't sleep and I just start thinking about things because I'm an overthinker, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. Random things pop into my head sometimes like, oh yeah, I should probably, you know, like recently I was like, I should start like taking up swimming again yeah. and being more active in that area. And then I looked up like where I can join to swim in like a pool around here. Yeah. But still haven't actioned that because I still have no time. But yeah. So by know. the time this is released, which is probably next Friday, <laughs> you should be a swimmer, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I haven't set a countdown for that one, yeah. so can't say for sure. Yeah, sounds good. And how do you sort of manage your overthinking in general? I know you're still working on it, but um, it's mostly through friends. So Just venting, I, yeah, in. I have like two really good friends, um, still from Hong Kong, and we haven't seen each other in ages, but oh. we've known each other since we're like five. So literally we grew up together, We've, we know each other so well and we're just like basically really, really close. And um, a lot of times we just, we have a group chat as well and we just kind of say anything that we want to say, get off our chest, anything. And there's literally no filter at all. And sometimes like you just say things and then they help you go through that. So it's like a little mini therapy group sometimes. Yeah, and it just depends on what you say, right? Um, and sometimes I've been like, oh, I'm thinking about this. What do you guys think? And then yeah. they just give me some advice and then that helps manage it a bit. And not just them, but other friends as well, like close yeah. by. Um, whatever, you know, if I'm starting to overthink things, I just kind of like express my ideas to other people yeah. and then get a lot of advice from them about what they're thinking. Because a lot of times I'm a bit too critical of myself, and I do yeah. understand that sometimes. Um, and sometimes it just takes someone else to, to tell me that, oh, yeah. you know, you're being a little bit too critical on yourself. And it's funny, you know, <laughs> it's... Uh, kind of reversed as to like what a traditional Asian household is like. Um, I was always the more critical of myself versus my parents. Yeah. So even like when my high school results came out, I wasn't happy with it, but my yeah. parents were happy with it. And I was, I was <laughs> really, your own parent. You're your yeah, own I was very, mom. I was very, um, yeah, I was, like, yeah. I was very disappointed with myself, 
um, and then that's what kind of pushed me to do better at uni. And then even at uni, when I was not getting like perfect, I was like, should have done better. And my yeah. parents were like, you got to relax. <laughs> You're doing great already. Yeah. But yeah, so it's just from others waking me up sometimes and just telling me, oh, you know, you're being a bit too critical about yourself or like you're overthinking it. You're still, yeah. you're still like 23 or whatever. Yeah. You, you shouldn't be thinking about all this stuff just yet. So that's, yeah, yeah that's most amazing. friends support. Friends for the win. That's, yeah. that's what you'll be thinking about on your deathbed. Flashback to the therapy sessions. Yeah, all <laughs> the therapy sessions that I had to go through with all my friends and how much they, sh how much I got to pay them for all the, th the yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah, friends are the best free resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you run your therapy sessions over like a core video or are you just mainly a texting guy? Just chat. Just yeah, chat. I never really, I don't yeah, really call you have, too much. You have really fast reply rate right? and really, really yeah, speedy fingers. I, <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 I type pretty quickly. That's you probably, do. that's from games for sure. And that, that helps me respond pretty quickly. I prefer to leave messages in other people's courts. I don't really like it when people are waiting on me. So yeah. that's why I respond almost instantaneously. Yeah. Like, and it does, it does help that I can type pretty quickly. So just then do whatever I'm doing. Um, yeah. I'm Isn't doing. that super distracting though, to always have messages pinging, pinging? Because um, you reply quick and then they reply and then you reply and then boom, boom, Well, boom, it's, boom, not, boom. Always, it's not always the case that they would reply back instantly. So sometimes it is distracting, but it should sometimes. be so distracting, man. But also, I see like, you have it on your like <clears throat> Apple Watch or whatever. Yeah, but sometimes it's um, I've kind of like been conditioned to be okay with multitasking in terms of like chatting uh, because like when I played games, right? Yeah, I'd be true. chatting while I'm doing things. Like I'd be like you know killing some sort of boss and I'm just yeah. chatting like in the middle <laughs> when when they're like recharging or something. I'm just like typing to my friend like, hey, you know, so, so, so. yeah, you know, just, like multitasking that way is um. You know, the games in that way have helped me multitask and kind of be able to just quickly type something and then go back to whatever I was doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. And so if you won the lottery tomorrow, Brian, what would you do differently about your life? Mm, I feel like I'd put like half of it into savings. Nice. Half of it into savings. Very conservative. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, just start planning for like future life. So maybe like get get myself like a house or apartment or something like that. Um, wouldn't be, wouldn't change too much about myself now though. I wouldn't, I'd just maybe like buy an apartment or something like that. I wouldn't go like spend it on a night out or anything like that. Um, I'd still try to progress my career and then I still wouldn't give up anything I'm doing right now. Like I'd still be doing, I'd still be working here and I'd also whoa, still be. Whoa, <laughs> you hear that guys, you hear that? Yeah, I'd still be working here and I'll still be doing tutoring for sure. and. Definitely tutoring is something I want to keep doing till whenever I can't do it anymore because yeah. I do enjoy it. And um, yeah, so I'm going to change too much. It's just about like where I'm living, that's all. Yeah, that's awesome. So pretty much if Brian won the lottery, we wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really know. You couldn't, you couldn't tell. Oh, you maybe I already did. Address? Oh, that, that's a bit suspicious. Yeah, maybe cool. I already did several times. You wouldn't know. Sounds good. Cool. And so the last question is, what is your ideal perfect day in the life? It can be like work related or non-work related up to you. Ideal day in life. I, I wouldn't wake up. I'd just be napping the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So if you won the lottery, you'd still come to work. <laughs> I, would, I would. I would. But I'd have like longer naps on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. So we're pretty much at the end of the podcast. What is, what's your kind of experience? A lot of people are scared to be on podcast. So some wise words. What, like about my experience? Yeah. How do you feel? Do you feel really nervous? I swear you're more confident than me. 
um, no, I, I like to wing things a lot, so <laughs> I just like take it as things go. So, are you talking about like my expectations for this? Or? Oh yeah, sure. Let's go into that as well. Well, can you, <laughs> can you rephrase the question a little bit? Okay, so what what kind of what did you expect, and how was your experience on this podcast? Yeah, um, expect. Well, I've watched a few. Oh, good on you! Finally, <laughs> a few minutes of a few episodes. I've skimmed a little bit, so I do know what you do talk about, and um, um, no, I actually like this experience a lot because I, you know, it's good to reflect. This is a whole <laughs> reflection journey, right? Slash this is literally yeah, <laughs> an entire reflection journey, and it's good to look back on yourself and think about all these different things that you know made you the person you are today, and also look at a bit about the future with those hard-hitting questions about life and everything <laughs> like that. Um, but I do like talking about this a lot, and I do myself sometimes even chatting with friends about this kind of deep level talk so yeah no definitely i did enjoy it yeah, yeah. Aww, that's good to hear so we're pretty much at the end wave bye bye